bring you greetings as we have met here today to worship. Today is Mother's Day, and I want to wish a blessing on our godly mothers that are here today. I don't have a Mother's Day message. I didn't feel directed that way. But I want to read a couple verses to bless you from Proverbs 31. It says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he will have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. In verse 28, her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. So may those verses be your blessing today. Also, to introduce the message, I have a Bible story that I want to tell, and maybe you mothers can identify with this because I have an eight-year-old boy telling this Bible story as he saw it. And so my disclaimer is uh, there's going to be some things that the Bible don't tell us, but I'm just telling it the way I imagined the eight-year-old boy would, would be telling his mother. The title of the message is Bringing People to Jesus. And the text verse says, And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. So this boy comes running into the house. He says, Mother, did you know what I just saw? I was down at the end of the street playing with my friends under the tree, and we were playing marbles. And I looked over at uh, Simon's house, and I saw a, a crowd gathering around his house. And this crowd kept increasing around his house as we were there playing marbles. And, and the yard got full, and the people were pressing around the house. And my friends had to leave about this time. And so they went home, and here, about that time, I saw four men coming down the street carrying a man, and he, he was limp. He couldn't do anything. He was just laying in this bed that they were carrying, and he was just limp, and he couldn't do anything. And so here, they and as I was watching this crowd, I heard somebody say, Jesus was in the house. And so these four men tried to go into the house, but the crowd paid them no mind. They didn't care, didn't seem to care about this man that was limp. They, they were so intense on listening to Jesus, they didn't, they didn't part their ways to, to let this man in. And so I saw them going around the house, and I was, I was curious what they was going to do as they went around the house. And there was a stairs on the side of the house. And so these four men started going up the stairs. The two men in front had to kind of bow down to, to keep this man level. And the ones in the back were holding him up so that he would stay level on this bed as they went up the stairs. So I thought I'd better get up there. I'd like to get up there and see what was happening. So there was a big tree at the corner of the house. And so I climbed up this tree uh, I went a ways up into the tree, and I could look down on the top of the house. And do you know, these four men brought this man over, and they laid him under the tree in the corner of the house in the shade, and it was really hot. And I thought, well, maybe they're just going to leave him lay here a while. 
till they can go down and find a way to get Jesus, get this man in front of Jesus. And I heard them talking. And the mother, do you know what they said? They were starting to talk about, well, maybe we should tear up the roof. I thought, wow. Well, then one of the four men went back and he went down the stairs. And he, well, he had, he had told the, the men before he went down, he said, well, if we're going to tear up the roof, we got to find out where Jesus is first. We don't want to tear up the roof and all that work and be at the wrong place. So they, they went down, the, the, he went down the stairs and he found the room that Jesus was and he was leaning up against the wall. So he came back up the stairs and, he, and they calculated that if they would take these tiles up right here, uh, that would probably be about right to let this man down in front of Jesus. And mother, I never saw anything like that. Can you imagine tearing up a roof of somebody else's house when there's a big crowd there and there's important people? The scribes and Pharisees are sitting down there in front of Jesus. And so the men started tearing up the roof and and, uh, they were stacking the tile and they were trying to be quiet, and, and I could hear from the window down below, I could hear Jesus talking to the crowds, the crowd that was around. And so they started tearing up this roof and lit, getting all the tile back, and, and some dirt was falling down. And, and, uh, and the first man of the four said... <clears throat> He said, I told you I didn't think this was worth the effort. Who ever heard of tearing up the roof to try to help someone? You know, we come all this way, and it's all this work. And how do you know that that Jesus is really paying attention to our efforts? And the second man said, well, I knew we were on a wild goose chase after all this work and 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 he said and and the the uh as I was there in the tree they they had the, the second man was saying this as they were letting this man down in front of Jesus and so they he rested right on the floor in front of Jesus and and the second man said Well, did you just hear what Jesus said? He said, your sins be forgiven. Well, he missed the point. We brought him here to be healed. And mother, in the synagogue, we hear about offering sacrifices for sin. And here this man, Jesus, said, thy sins be forgiven, Given you, can you explain that to me? Uh, you explain that to me sometime later, because I won't tell you the rest of this story. And the third man said, "Wait a minute! Did you just hear what Jesus said? He said, uh, take up your bed and walk.' Wow." 
and and then these four men were looking down and they said well he rolled up his bed he's got it up under his arm so I wanted to go down and see this so I climbed down the tree real quick and I got out around the crowd toward the street and just then this man was squeezing out the front door and he had the bed rolled under his arm and he looked so happy and mother he could walk the same man, I know it was the same man, because, because he had the, the color cloth they had on him. It was the same man. And he took off down the street, and the uh, four men had come down off the roof as well. And this man took off up the street. He was going so fast that the four men couldn't hardly keep up with him. And all of a sudden, I saw the four men stop. And they said, you know what? Let him go. We better go back because if the Roman soldiers here get wind of this, they might get us for not patching the roof back. So the four men went back and put the roof in place. Mother, what do you think of that? Bringing people to Jesus. You know, the devil would have us believe it's scary and dangerous and even risky to bring people to Jesus. You know, it's not worth the chance you're taking. You might be made fun of or humiliated. And we need to remember that one soul is worth more than the whole world. Just think about it. If you were the one that was in sin and lost and dying and someone brought the message to you, wouldn't that be tremendous? These four men in this story ran into barriers. They ran into difficulties with this crippled man. He was paralyzed. They couldn't just say, well, you go to Jesus or we hope Jesus finds you someday. But, you know, they, they took their responsibility seriously and didn't let the crowd got get to him and you know they they tore up the roof they went to extreme measures we might say but they were rewarded for his efforts and you know when I was preparing for this message and thinking about it uh, someone uh, told me about a book that I read as background and it was called The Unexpected Adventure by Lee Strobel and Mark Middleburg. And uh, you know, it challenged me as I read that book about bringing people to Jesus. And I'm going to make a few uh, comments about some things they said in the book as, as I continue in the message. One statement they, they made in that book is, if you wait for the ideal moment to bring spiritual matters to others, you'll probably never get around to it. See, that's what the devil tempts us to, that maybe there's a more convenient time to tell the good news. Maybe there's a better situation. Well, maybe people won't accept it now, but they'll accept it later. Let's turn back to the Old Testament to that familiar account in 2 Kings 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Second Kings six and 
chapter 7. I want to read a few verses from each chapter. This was when the uh, famine was in Samaria and there was a siege. Read a few verses in chapter 6. Verse 25. Just how bad this was. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for... Four score pieces of silver and a fourth part of a cab's dung was for five pieces of silver. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried out a woman unto him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor, out of the winepress. And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow so we boiled my son and did eat him and i said unto her the next day give thy son that we may eat him and he had and she had hid her son so this was the deplorable condition and the desperation they were in and the king uh when he heard that he was rent his clothes and sackcloth Now let's go over to chapter 7, verses 1 to 10. Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a lord on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make the windows of heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, Why set we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city when the famine is in the city, we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we will die also. Now therefore, come, let us fall into the hosts of the Syrians. And if they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made a host of Syria to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses and a noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us kings of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. Therefore they arose and fled in twilight, left their tents and their horses and asses, and fled the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came into the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent, and they did eat, and they did drink, and they carried scents, silver and gold, raiment. And went and hid it, and came again to enter into another tent, and carried thence also, and they went and hid it. Then they said one to another, We do not well. This is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called the porter of the city, And told them, saying, We come to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there is no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied, asses tied, and the tents as they were.
So you can see that uh, how these deplorable things were in this famine and in this siege. And that a donkey's head was sold for about two pounds of silver. And they were eating each other's children. And Elijah the prophet said, there's going to be food here and it's going to be plentiful and it's going to be cheap. And, you know, they couldn't comprehend that. And so these four lepers that were sitting outside the city, they said, you know, if we sit here, we're going to die. And if we go back inside the city, we're going to die. Preadventure, the enemy will have mercy on us. See, they took a risk. And that's what the subtitle of this book said. It says, taking everyday risks to talk with people about Jesus. It shouldn't be that way. But that's the way the devil portrays to us, that we're taking a risk. And you see what the conclusion they come to? They went in the first tent, and they ate till they were full. They took gold and silver. They went into the second tent. doesn't say they eat in that tent because they were already full. And he took more gold and silver and things. And it hit him. said, we have the good news. And mischief is going to fall upon us if we don't share. It's like Brother Lee's uh, children's story there. If you don't share, you're going to dry up. Yeah. If you don't share the good news, you're going to dry up. You're going to be miserable. You're not going to be happy. And, uh, you know, these people, these four recognized that. You know, we often make outreach harder than it needs to be. We need to remember that telling the good news is a way of life. We have many opportunities. I failed recently in one opportunity that I had. I was at a place of business to get uh, get a part. The man was in there by himself. It was kind of a grungy place, and apparently he'd been smoking, and he was kind of appeared grouchy and didn't want to be bothered too much. So I said... To myself, I need to find a way to get to this man's heart. And about that time, I looked back in the distance and I saw a refrigerator. It was one of these that had a compressor setting on top, a round compressor setting on top. And some of you have seen those. I said, well, look at there. Look at that refrigerator. And then he brightened up. He said, yeah, that's a 1933 model. And he said, I'm still using it. And, and I didn't go behind to look at it, but he went and opened the door and showed me. And there was, I could see in the distance there was things in it. He was using it. And right beside it was a 1928 cook stove that looked like it was in mint condition. And he said a lady come in and laid $20,000 on the counter for those two appliances. And I told her, no, $20,000. And he looked to me and he said, you know, money isn't everything. And I said, that's exactly right. Money is not everything. But I failed. That was the perfect thing. It was right in my lap. And I failed to, to talk about Jesus. That's, that's the way we do. And I think someday I'm going back. And I'm going to get back into this conversation with him. And we'll go see how it goes.
See, they said, if we don't share the good news, it's going to be mischief. And if you and I don't share the good news, I'm, it, it's not going to be good. All right, let's go back to Mark chapter 2, where one of this account is. Mark chapter 2. One to twelve, and again he entered into Capernaum. After some days it was noised that he was in the house, and straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive him, no not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of a palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken up, up they laid down the bed. They let down the bed wherein the sick of a palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of a palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned with themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye the things in your heart? Whether it's easier to say to the sick of a palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed and walk. But that ye might know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of a palsy, I say unto thee, Arise up, Arise, take up thy bed, and go the way into thy house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it in this fashion. Isn't that wonderful? Notice how the people around this house and in this house we're hungering for the word of God. And today, there are people that are hungering for the word of God that's around us. You know, are we willing to take time? You know, well, you might say, well, I feel less than adequate to be used by God, to reach a friend. But, you know, in our humility, we need to be dependent on him. See, we don't know if these uh, four friends of the crippled man, if they asked him or if they offered to do this kind deed. <clears throat> Maybe I should ask this question. Is there someone in your life that you have written off because, you know, he, he's just not a candidate for God? You know, he will never accept Jesus anyway. And I've heard someone say that. They said, we decided to quit wasting our time on this individual. Isn't that sad? They said, we're going to quit wasting our time on this individual. Just recently, uh, there was a man in our community that Brother Jay had visited a lot, was close to, and then I'd visit him from time to time, and I, I would go talk to him, and he was an alcoholic, and he would drink and smoke in your presence. When, on my last visit, in fact, uh, he said, is it all right if I smoke? I said, well, I'm in your bedroom. I'm not going to tell you you can't smoke. 
Anyway, on Monday evening of this particular week, I went to visit him, and he said, I don't want a visitor today. I said, okay. I said, can I pray before I leave? He said, yes. So I prayed with him, and I left. The following Saturday afternoon, I went back again. And his wife said, well, he's in the back bedroom. Help yourself. So I went back, and he was open to a visit that day. See, don't get discouraged on one attempt. Try again. And so before I went on that visit on Saturday, my co-pastor, Brother Jay, gave me one of these big Hershey bars, you know, two, three inches wide and five or six inches long. And I thought, well, I haven't eaten that candy yet. I probably ought to eat it because Jay gave it to me. That was special. But I thought, well, am I being selfish? I better, I'm going to take that bar and give it to Billy. So I did. And he said, well, I really like those. And during my visit, I said, Billy, this was on Saturday, I said, are you ready to die? He said, no. I said, do you want Jay to help you get ready or do you want me to help you? He said, the Bible, he said, the Bible says don't let your right hand know what your left hand do. So I, I took it from that even though he was using it out of context that he didn't care. I said, all right, let's, let's pray. And he, I got him to pray. And he prayed that the Lord would forgive him of his mistakes. He did not say of his sins, but he said of his mistakes. And I was shocked when I got a call Monday afternoon from the funeral home following Saturday. This was on Saturday, Monday afternoon. He was gone. He was gone. And I didn't think he was in that shape, and his wife didn't either. See, bringing people to Jesus, when God speaks to us, it's time to move. And at the funeral, his wife told me, he said, she said, do you remember that candy bar you brought? I said, sure. He, she said, well, he ate part of it, and I ate the rest. And I was so thankful that I had spoke to him about his soul. I was so thankful that I got him to pray, and I did not know that he was going to pass away on Monday. And he's in God's hands. See, we bring people to Jesus and leave them there. You know, verse 4, digging up the roof, seems to be an extreme measure. And maybe we need to try some extreme measures in our day. But when we try something different... Make sure that you're biblical. The biblical message should never change. It cannot change. The biblical message needs to be the same. And Jesus said that these four men were blessed for their faith. They were uh, stretcher bearers, I'll call them. You know, pallbearers are fine and good, but we need more stretcher bearers. Are you willing to hold up your corner of the bed in bringing people to Jesus? And sometimes it may take four people to bring someone to Jesus and many more. Are we willing to do our part? And can you imagine that that, uh, at this time that the dignitaries and the teachers of that day were sitting there? What do you suppose they thought when they looked up and 
saw the roof coming apart and daylight shining in. You know, the enemy works out different ways. And, and those people sitting in front of Jesus were raising opposition in their thoughts. And they were reasoning in their hearts and so on. And Jesus said in this passage, he was going to prove that this man's uh, physical healing, he was going to prove by this man's uh, spiritual healing that he was being healed physically. And it says that he was immediately healed. You know, it didn't need to take time. He was immediately healed. And bring people to Jesus. We must have peace with God. We must have a love for others and good attitudes and a humble spirit. If we aren't content, if we aren't at peace within ourselves, we will, we're in no shape to reach out to others. What motivates us to share Christ with others? Is it a, a dry sense of guilt or obligation? Or is it a heartfelt desire to see lives transformed and eternities redirected? Turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I won't read this passage, but a few verses here. This is where Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. And you're familiar with this encounter. For one of the things that she brought her water pot, she was coming to do her daily duty. And of course she met Jesus there. One of the first things she says to Jesus is, in verse... <coughs> Nine, that the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And as you know, the history setting here, the, the Jews looked down on the Samaritans. They despised them. They didn't want anything to do with them. And this woman may have been surprised that Jesus took time to, uh, to, to meet her. Verse uh, <clears throat> 28 to 29 says, the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city to the men. Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? That's simply amazing that this woman left her water pot. You see, she was bringing other people to Jesus. We might say, well... You know, I've got my work to do. I've got my farm work to do. I've got, I got a list of things i got to do today. You know, the water pot was something, no doubt, she probably did daily. It was the way she, it was her living. It was the way she kept alive was water. It was her routine task, her daily responsibility and chore. And she left it. And do you know that when she went to the men of the city, uh, <clears throat> she didn't talk to them, in my own words, I I'm, don't think she talked to them a half a day, to try to, to convince them. She only told them one sentence. You know what that was? 
He told me everything I did. That's all she needed to say. Is not this the Christ? That's all we need to do. Just say what Jesus has done for us. It doesn't have to be long and fancy. And you know what he said? And she said, come and see a man. And that also adds a dimension to this. That this class of people, she was bringing them to, to the, another class of people that looked down onto them. But apparently they didn't let that stop them. Let's look at uh, verse 39. It says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him of the saying of the woman and testified, He told me all that ever I did. Many Samaritans believed because of that, that one saying. Then look down at verse uh, 41. It says, Many more believed because of his own word. And they said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying or what we heard him ourselves. We know that this is indeed to Christ, the Savior of the world. And so many more believed because they heard Jesus himself. But the woman was instrumental in bringing them to Jesus. You know, my wife and I were on a tour recently over James Madison. He was the, one of the early presidents. And he was the one that wrote the uh, Bill of Rights. And he had a concern for the country. And toward the end of his life, he wrote down a lot of things that he thought the country should stand for. In other words, kind of his legacy. And the tour guide, the lady tour guide at the end of the tour, asked us a question. She said, what is your legacy going to be? What, what will people remember about your life? Oh, wow, that's a good question. Yeah, what will people remember about you? Will they remember that you're a person that encourages other people in the faith? Are you a person that likes to bring people to Jesus? Are you a person, will your legacy be that People no, have no doubt what the goal in your life was. What was your driving influence? That was a challenge. In conclusion, here are some questions to think about that, that was raised in that book. <clears throat> okay, virtually every Christian feels some fear when he or she is about to discuss spiritual matters to someone outside the faith. And I could put preachers in that too. It says every Christian. But preachers have fears about sharing the gospel. Just Apparently that's what I had when I failed with that man with his refrigerator stove. There was some apprehension there. Okay, the questions. Whose door is God telling you to knock on? What phone call do you need to make or email do you need to send? 
What neighbor do you need to invite over for a backyard barbecue? What relative could you reach out to? Who is an old friend that needs to reestablish contact with? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you the steps you need to take. Then step out and follow his lead today.